Let's get into the Word of God today. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. The Word of God reads, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Let's pray. God, we pray that you'll just open up our hearts, teach us what it means to pray, teach us what you value, so that we can pray in ways that please you. That's it, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we're currently preaching through a series on how to actually live out Christ's righteousness within our lives. And, you know, what's really funny is before he even gives us any instructions on how to actually do it, he warns us. You know, he gives us this huge warning. And he says that the biggest pitfall to living out your faith for God is that a lot of times we choose to live it out for men instead. And if you do, this, the text says that you won't get any reward from God, just the empty praise of men. So be perfect, live for God, but be careful of your heart and your motives. Do you guys see that? That's the theme of our series. You know, last week Jesus taught us how to give to the needy, which is a great thing, how to give to the needy for God. Today, he's going to teach us how to pray, and more specifically, how to pray for God. Okay? You know, when I first became a Christian, I didn't know what prayer was all about. Maybe you guys are like that too. And I think, you know, when I actually had the courage to ask a brother in church what prayer was all about, I think I was misinformed as to what prayer was all about. So I asked this older brother that I respected, hey, what is this prayer thing all about? Can you tell me what prayer is? He's like, yeah, sure, Eddie, it's really simple. You see, God created prayer so that we can ask him for things that we want, and then he'll give it to us. And I was like, sweet, that is a great deal. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, you know? And so I went home. I literally went home from church that day, and I said, okay, God, what do I really want in life? And I said, oh, I want to be rich, for sure. Rich and successful, but not like rich and successful. I'm like disgustingly dirty rich and successful. That's what I want to be. And, you know, at the time, you know, the Corvettes just came out with the ZR1 model in 1990, you know? So I was like, I want a red Corvette. You know, that's what I want, you know. And God, I, I want to marry like the hottest wife, you know, on earth. So that's it. That's it, God. That's what I want. And I prayed for like, I prayed that for like a week. But then all of a sudden I realized, oh, man, those things happen later in life. I can't get that as a first-year uni student. So God, for this term, I want straight A's without studying. <laughs> and I want to be the guy on campus that every girl wants. That can happen. So God, I'm going to want that. This is honest to goodness truth. And so I started praying like that for weeks, but none of that stuff happened. It didn't. And so I went to my older brother and I said, yo, this is not working. What's up? You said we just have to ask and God wants to give it to us, but it's not working. He said, Eddie, are you praying in faith? I said, what's that? 
is like, do you trust that God's going to give it to you? Or are you kind of just praying, hoping that he might give it to you? I said, I'm the second guy. He's like, see, you can't do that. you got to pray trusting that he's going to give it to you. I said, you're right. You know, you're right. So I went home that day. I went to my dorm room. I shut the door. And I said, and I said, yeah, and I wrote this down. I took out a piece of paper and I said, God, I'm so sorry. I'm not trusting in you. But maybe I'm praying for too many things too, God. So I'm going to make this really efficient. I was an economics major, which is efficiency. Uh, God, I'm going to cross everything off the list. I'm just going to pray for one thing, the one thing that I value the most. You know what that one thing was? The red Corvette. You know, God, I want the red Corvette. I don't need to be the most popular guy on campus. I don't need straight A's. You know, I don't need any. I just need a car. That car is hot. So I prayed every single day for a red Corvette. I prayed one thing every day. And I prayed trusting that he would give it to me. I woke up every single morning. I looked out my window. There was a car park right outside my dorm room. And I expected to see something red and glistening every single morning. But nothing was there. I'd run down to my mailbox because I was expecting to see a set of keys. Somehow, some way, God was going to make it happen, but I never saw it. I prayed for weeks, and I never got it. And to this day, I still don't have my red Corvette. <laughs> and I was like, I remember after a few weeks, after that term, I was like, what is up with this prayer stuff? You know? The guy told me, all I had to do was pray. And I'm doing that every day. I'm like faithful. You know, I'm praying with faith. I'm doing that faith stuff too. I'm trusting. I just believe. I'm confident. You know, I know it's going to happen. But how come God is not answering my prayer? How come I don't see a car? What is up with this prayer stuff? How come it's not working? Do you guys ever feel like that towards prayer? That you feel it's almost like a formula? And if you get all the components of that equation correct, that God now is obligated to answer your prayer. But if you get just one part of that equation wrong, then he doesn't have to answer that prayer whatsoever. So we're, our whole lives we're trying to figure out this equation because for some reason, you know, there's, oh, there's mysteries that we still get uncovered. You know, what is that equation? What am I missing? What am I doing wrong? Do you guys ever feel like that towards prayer? Because your prayers are not being answer. And just when you get like really confused as to what prayer about, all of a sudden the church comes along and the church starts asking you to pray. <laughs> I hate that. Oh, sorry. You know, it's hard. I, I dislike that highly. I remember when I was, when I first became a Christian, they asked me, I was at CG once and the CG leader said, Eddie, why don't you just close our CG for us? And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? I don't know how to pray. Am I supposed to pray for a red Corvette for everybody? <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to do? And I didn't know. And so it was actually horrific, that experience. But you know what's worse? You know what? You know what? Here, let me tell you what's even worse that churches do. Sometimes when you go to a church meeting, they make you sit in a circle. Did you ever do this? This is the worst. And so you do whatever you need to do, whether it's a CG meeting, whatever, you sit in this circle. And then at the end of that meeting, you know the thing I dread the most? When the leader says, why don't we go around in a circle? And why don't we just say like a one-sentence prayer? You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you guys do this at this church? And, uh, and I'd freak out. And the only thing I'm thinking about and the only thing anyone's thinking about is, oh, please start on the other side of the circle. Don't start with me. Don't start with me. And the reason why is because if you start on the other side of the circle, then what? You have about like 30 seconds to two minutes to formulate the words that you want to pray and the things that you're going to pray for. And then it gives you about like, you know, 30 seconds to practice that prayer as it's coming around. You don't even hear what the first two, three people are praying. You just only care about, you know, when it gets to here, you're like getting nervous. And so you, like, and all of a sudden that's what happens to me. And so I'm like, oh, I got it. Okay, I'm going to pray for this. And I start practicing, I start practicing. 
pastors are practicing. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The guy next to you, right in front of you, prays that exact same prayer. <laughs> and then prays it better than you. And so you're freaking out. And you're like, what do I do? And you're scrambling. And your mind is scrambling. And you don't know what you're saying. And so you say whatever you're supposed to say. And you, you say whatever holiest thing comes to mind. You know, I literally, I think the first time that ever happened to me, I was so nervous. I got so heartbroken when the guy next to me prayed it that I started saying, oh, Jesus, you got to bless the Holy Spirit. He needs prayer. <laughs> you know, oh, God, you got to bless God. You know, I was like, I, I said the worst thing. I ran out of my first CG because I was so embarrassed to look anybody in the eye because my prayer was so bad. Right? What am, where am I? Where am I? And so that's what happens. Yeah, I hope none of you understand exactly what I'm talking about, but if you've been a part of church long enough, you know exactly what I'm talking about. How is it that we can take something as wonderful and beautiful as prayer and reduce it to a performance in front of men? We do that all the time. It just seems so natural. You know, at the church where I got saved, uh, what they did on Sunday services is they invited leaders to come up on Sunday services and to pray the congregational prayer on Sundays. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes leaders come up and they pray for the church. And so I remember my, it was my, it must have been my third year of being saved. They said, Eddie, you're a leader. Why don't you come pray uh, the congregational prayer? I was like, oh my goodness, that's like hefty. That's like weighty. And so you know what I did? I'll be very honest with you. You know what I did? So the moment I knew that I was on the roster, I like examined each one of the prayers of the three or four people that prayed in the three, four weeks before me. And I literally copy-pasted. I would like literally write down what they're saying and the words that they were saying, and I, and I copy-pasted. You know, we didn't have computers or phones back then, so I had, you know, I copy-pasted. And then I took that home and I made this script, and then I, I, I listened really carefully to the guy who was praying the week before me, and, you know, I took what he took, I did, and I put it all in there, and then I put my own, like, twist to it so that I would sound better than the guy who prayed before me the week before, and then I would practice it in a way that sounded, like, really good, and that's what I did. And I remember I came down from that prayer, because um, it was, like, kind of high up in an altar, I, I, I came down, and my closest friend, who was my roommate, he was like, he did this to me, he's like, Eddie. And, you know, outwardly, you can't do stuff like that at church, so you're like, oh, But inside, I was like, Eddie, you killed it, man. Eddie, you killed that prayer. You know, but that's how evil we are. You know, I really hope none of you understand what I'm talking about, but you might because we are evil. We take something as precious and as beautiful and eternal and wonderful as prayer, and we reduce it. We cheapen it to a performance before men, and we make it all about who? Ourselves. That's why in verse 5, Jesus gives us this warning, right? Verse 5, it says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. Why? To be seen by others. They pray to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In this verse, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites. Last week, we said that that word hypocrite in Greek means Actor. What does actor mean in this context? People who perform for men and not for God. That's what this word actor means. And since people, since Jesus is telling us not to be like them, you know what that tells me? It tells me that Jesus knows church people, right? When Jesus is warning church people not to be like those hypocrites, he knows church people. He knew that when Christians pray in the church or anywhere else publicly, they would do it to try to impress the people listening rather than just praying to the Almighty Father 
in heaven. Why is that? Why is it that when we get in front of people, or you could be in a circle in front of people, why is it that when we pray in front of others, that we, we are so tempted to pray to them instead of praying to God? Why do we always try to search for those really cool Christian cliches? Why do we always try to you know, search for those words and those phrases that will inspire other people and rally them and rally their hearts? Why do we add inflections? Why do we change our voices up and down? Why do we get excited and we get louder when we pray? And then when, when bad things happen, we get compassionate and slower. You know, when we pray, why do we do all those things? You know, Jesus knew that we would do all that when we prayed, so he begins this section warning us not to, okay? You know, back in Jesus' day, there were designated times of prayer. It was like 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. There were designated times of prayer, and during those times, the temple would sound trumpets. And during those trumpet sounds at those times, when people realized, oh, it's time to pray, so everyone would stop wherever they were, and they would turn to the temple, and they would just pray their daily prayers, and that's it. But if you were one of those people who wanted to be seen by men, then what you would do is like five minutes before or 10 minutes before or 15 minutes before that that temple trumpet was going to sound, what did you do? You situated yourself in the synagogue where everybody could see you or maybe in the public market at the most public you know, section where everyone could see you, or maybe you were at that busy street corner where everybody could see you and hear you. And when those temple trumpets sounded, you would raise your hands really high, pray really loud so that everyone could see you and hear you. So these people, instead of praying to God and enjoying him, used prayer and the resulting adulation of the crowds as a tool to gratify themselves, right? What does Jesus say about them at the end of verse 5? It says, they received their reward in full. What does that mean? We said that last week, that word, that phrase reward in full can be translated paid in full with a receipt. They were using prayer to purchase the praise of men. And Jesus says they got exactly what they paid for. What, that, what does that mean? That God's not going to give them any reward because they already got everything that they wanted. What's the point that Jesus is trying to make? It's very clear. Prayer is for God alone, okay? Prayer is for God alone. Never pray to be seen or heard by men. That's it, right? No matter what the situation is, no matter where you might be, pray only for God and pray only to God. That is the point. Is that clear? Is that simple? That's it. Right? Jesus actually gives us two instructions on how to do that. But before I get to them, let me take a brief moment to share with you what prayer is about. The question that my friend failed to answer for me, I want to answer for you. What is prayer? How do we pray? All right, we'll get to the how later. But how, what is prayer itself? My uni friend said that God created prayer so that we could ask God for things and then he's going to give it to us. Is that right? There's a lot of answers to that question that I've heard in church over the years. What is prayer? Prayer. So let me, what I want to do today is I want to cut through all those things and I just want to make it very, very clear. And this is, this is how we'll go, okay? So follow, track with me, follow with me. Prayer is communication with God, okay? But 
Anyway, prayer is communication with God. I'll, get, I'll be more specific a little bit later. What you have to realize is Christ died upon the cross, not just to forgive us of our sins and not just to give us his righteousness, but the ultimate reason why Christ died upon the cross was so that we could be reconciled back to God, so that the relationship that was broken in the garden can now be reconciled. Be, we could be reunited with God so that we could have a relationship with God. Christ died upon the cross so that we could be reunited and have this relationship with God. This is what God wanted with us all along. So now that we have this relationship with God, God gave us prayer so that we could now communicate with him. Okay? It's that simple, the concept. Any married person in this room can tell you that the lifeblood of a healthy relationship is what? Communication. Prayer is that lifeblood with God. And because God wants to spend time with us, he wants us to pray. Do you understand? Do we understand the concept of prayer? Okay, go. Now, one thing you have to realize, though, is that not all communication is the same. This is what I mean. Just because you're talking doesn't mean you're connecting. Right? We all know what that means. Just because there's discussion, for some reason, there can also be a lot of distance, can't there? And that's why, and God knows this too, and that's why defining prayer as just communication with God to me is not good enough. You know, because we can communicate without connecting. We can communicate and still create even more distance by our communication. So it's not just communication, is it? After many years with communicating, after many years communicating with my wife, what I've learned is this. Um, I've come to realize that what we both really want in communication is a heart exchange, okay? And this is what I mean by that. We want to know and feel that our partner possesses our complete attention and is completely invested in what we're saying and doing to each other. Do you guys understand that? We want our partner to, be, to possess our complete attention and to be completely invested in what we're saying and doing when we're together. In those moments of communication, only she and I exist. Nothing else in the world exists. That's a hard exchange. And you know what, you know what we're still discovering in our marriage? We're, we're, what we're discovering is this. We're discovering that when we fail and when we compromise in that hard exchange... That failure and compromise leads to misunderstandings. It leads to hurt, and it leads to distance, you know? Now, it might be wrong for me to assume that a characteristic of a human relationship is what God really wants with us. But after many years of following God, I truly believe that what God wants from us is a heart exchange. The moment we pray, and we have this intent of praying, God wants our complete attention. You know, he wants us to be completely invested in him alone, as if all, it doesn't matter if you're in front of thousands of people, as if it's only you and God talking to each other. This is what he wants. And it's, it's, a, it's an exchange, right? It's a heart exchange, which means that not only is it a place where we can share our hearts safely and securely in his presence alone because he loves us, but it's also a place where he can share his heart with us. And, you know, it's a place where thoughts and ideas and emotions get exchanged with 
each other. Eddie, are you saying that God can speak to us? Yes, he can. That's a whole nother message. We'll talk about that some other time. But just for today, prayer is exchanging hearts. I call prayer a heart exchange with God, right? It is exchanging hearts with God alone. And if that's the case, if true prayer, no matter where you are, what you're doing, is a heart exchange with God alone, and you're there, and only you and God exist, then it's pretty hard to perform that prayer in front of men, isn't it? It's pretty hard to try to impress other people through that if it's only you and God. There's no need to. And that is what I think Christ is teaching us here. Do you guys understand? That's prayer, okay? So let's get back to our passage then. We said that Jesus had two instructions on how we can pray for God alone, and I hope these all help us to pray better. Number one, it's this. Pray secretly. Pray secretly. I'll unpack that in a second. Verse 6 says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That last sentence says that God wants to reward us for prayer. Do you see that? But how do we get that reward? What exactly is that reward? Well, Jesus says that the way we get that reward is by praying in Secret. Do you guys remember what we said in secret was last week? We said in secret was something that happens between just you and God. Isn't that prayer? Right? Something that happens between just you and God. Look how much detail Jesus goes through to describe this. Right? He says, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Other translations say, uh, go into your inner room. Go into your prayer closet. Did you ever hear those phrases? Go into your closet and pray. Wait, hold up. How are we supposed to go into our closet if we're praying the congregational prayer on Sunday? There's no closet on stage. And the answer is what to that question? Jesus is not talking literally here. Yes, you can. A lot of people do go into their closets and pray, which is awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's saying whenever you pray, go into your closet. Go into the space where it's just whatever helps you think about just you and God. Right? That's what he's saying right here. So what he's saying, he's talking about our attitude. He's talking about our perspective. He's talking about our motive as we enter that prayer. Every prayer that we pray, no matter where we are or no matter what the situation is, was always meant to be and designed to be just for you to talk to God and for God to share his heart with you. That's it. God really wants every prayer that we pray to be Private. And so to pray in secret is the exact opposite of praying to be seen by men. Do you guys see that? Yes? Is that clear? Okay. So it's praying to have this heart exchange with God alone. That means it doesn't matter where we're praying or what kind of prayer it is. God wants every prayer that we pray to be intimate, to be personal, and to be a private exchange. Do you understand that? doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what the context is. So if we're praying the congregational prayer here on this stage on Sunday, if you're going to come here and pray, God wants that prayer to be intimate, personal, and private. Make sure it's just you and God. Okay? Uh, and more importantly, not for anyone else, not even the church. Okay? Don't pray your Sunday prayers, or if you get asked to pray in CG, and they're like, oh, can you close for us? Don't pray for them. Just pray you and God. You know, um, I want to talk about the Sunday prayer thing just a little bit because I got it wrong for so many years and no one corrected me. And so when I finally realized what it was all about, I felt so ashamed. So I figure, let me save you guys the trouble. 
And so, you know, some people write Sunday prayers on a sheet of paper, you know, and they write it out before they come to stage. I think that's totally awesome. I think that's totally cool. If this forum here, you know, this platform is very difficult. Sometimes it's very, you get, you know, it's nervous. You don't want to, like, lose your place, and you want to, you know, pray properly, quote-unquote, and you need a guide. That's fine. But, you know, many people prepare these prayers just to make sure they don't sound bad or sound stupid. You know what I'm talking about? So we write out these prayers just so I don't sound stupid. You know, they sound, they, they, they write out their prayers just to make sure they write a great prayer, whatever that means, you know? Or they want to write a prayer in such a way that it rallies the congregation behind what they're about to say, you know? And they put these burdens upon themselves to write prayers like this. But do you kind of see how all those reasons violate everything that Christ just said? Because what we're doing is we are now intentionally writing prayers for men. And not for God. We're writing prayers for the church. But what you need to realize is prayers were never meant for the church. It was meant for God alone. God created it just so that we could communicate with him. It wasn't a platform to impress the church or to inspire the church. You know, it's not. You know, once again, please don't think about anybody else. <laughs> you know, you know, just judge yourself. Judge yourself on this one. You know, if people come to mind, you're like, oh, see, I knew that person was just trying to show off. Don't know. Don't think like that. Judge yourself only. We don't need your prayers to bless us. Okay? Does, that, does it make you feel free, liberated? We don't need your prayers to bless us. I don't need your prayer to bless me. Okay, Prayers were never meant to bless us. They were designed for God alone. We don't need your prayer to sound good. We don't need your prayer to rally people and to inspire people. We don't need that. Because prayer is for God alone. You know what we do need, though? We need people who want to pray. We need people who are hungry for God. We, want people, we, we need people who want to pray and depend upon God and know that God is the only source of everything. These are the people that we need to pray congregational prayers, right? And so how do you pray a congregational prayer? It's okay. You can prepare. I'm not against the, the mechanics. I'm just against the motive if it's to impress people. And I think that's what God is too. So, you know, if you're ever going to pray up here or in your seat or whatever, it's okay. Write out the prayer. That's totally fine. But make sure you prepare it with the heart motive to, for God alone. And so this is what, can I suggest to you, if you ever become a leader and pray in any public place, can I, can I suggest this to you if you know you're going to pray? Pray that week to God. Let's say I'm going to pray on Sunday. I'm going to start praying for Monday every single day. And just pray for your church. And just pray to God. And ask God to give you his heart for the church. And whatever comes out of those daily prayers, pray that on Sunday. So it's sincerely from your heart and God. We don't need your prayer to sound like what the guy prayed last week, no matter how cool it sounded. You know, we don't need you to pray exactly in the same way as the guy prayed last week because you're different. God made you uniquely you, and he wants to hear you and your heart to him. And, make, and now that we know that it is not a performance in front of men, we know it could be our offering and our worship and devotion to God to pray in front of our church. So make sure that your public prayer is a devotional from your personal prayer time to God. No matter where you are, what kind of prayer it is, God wants that prayer to be an intimate, personal, and private interaction between you and him. And most importantly, for nobody else, not even 
the church. So when your CG leader asks you to pray for the meal or to open the Bible study, just pray to God. You know, and don't forget about what it sounds like, even though that's totally against what we do, but uh, try not to please people. You know, I get, I get asked all the time as a pastor to pray for people. Do you know how burdensome that is? Right? Because I, you know, when people ask me, oh, you know, Pastor Eddie, I'm hurt. Can you pray for my aches and pains? It's like, oh, do they expect me to? Am I spiritual in some sense that my prayer is more powerful than their mother's or something? Of course not. But, you know, I feel this burden to try to bless them or to try to do something to inspire them. You know what I'm talking about? It's such a burden. I'm nothing. And so, you know, I pray, and I get, I get nervous all the time. And so I just pray, and I try to pray these extravagant prayers sometimes to try to impress them and to try to rally them. And, and if other people are listening, I try to pray more extravagantly to, to you know, to, to, to have people think that I'm actually holier or that I actually know something about God or some secret thing that will help this prayer and this person get healed better. You know what I'm talking about? But I don't. But I feel this burden to pray that way, to inspire people. But, you know, we're not like that. because And then, what I, but, but you know what that is? It's just, I'm violating everything Christ taught me here in this passage. Prayer is not for others. Prayer is for God. God's the one that can heal. God's the one that can change a person's life. So why am I trying to pray to impress these people when I should literally just be at the feet of God begging him for God? I'm begging God to do what only God can do. The only thing that, the only thing that should count is my heart naked before God. And not caring what anyone else thinks, no matter how that prayer sounds. Do you see? So, all right, that's my insecurity. Prayer is not prayed to be seen by men. God says when you pray like that, there's no reward because we're praying for men and not God. So let's stop praying for men and only pray for God. But what's that reward, Eddie? What's the reward that he's talking about? And let me tell the answer. The answer is I don't know. I don't know what the reward is. I don't think any theologian really knows what the reward is. But well, this is what I do know. When we're truly praying, we get God. And when we're, when we're fully satisfied in God alone, then there's nothing else that we need. Okay, That's the easy, spiritual, cheap answer. But it's so real and so true. Okay, Pray secretly. Number two, pray simply. Verse 7 and 8, it says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You know, pagans back in Jesus' day, they believed in many gods. So this is what they did. If they had a prayer point, they would pray to each god, and they would put all their prayer points there, and then they would go to the next god and, and, and present all their prayer points there, and they would present all their prayer points repeatedly to each God that they prayed. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. The shotgun approach to prayer, it gives you the best chance for a good result. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you believe in thousands of gods. But Jesus says here, so their prayers were filled with a lot of words, a lot of religious phrases, a lot of repetition. But Jesus says in this verse, do not be like that in prayer. And I think a lot of Christians today have this mentality and this belief that if I use better Christian phrases, or if I repeat myself more, or if I pray longer or more passionately, then the better chance we have to getting the result that we want in prayer. Did you ever think like that? Did you ever pray like that? You know, but Eddie, I thought that's what God wanted us to do. Isn't there a passage that says if you annoy God enough, that he's like... He's forced to answer your prayer, and there is. Luke 18 says, it talks about this woman who petitions before this judge so annoyingly. The judge gets so frustrated and angry, he says, fine, and he presents her request. Do you guys know this story? 
And we leverage that a lot of times as pastors to make you guys pray. But Luke 18 really is a a passage that's directed at people who give up on prayer all the time. That's the context of this passage. And so what it's saying is, so what these guys would do is they would pray once, God wouldn't answer instantaneously, and therefore they would give up in prayer. And so the point of Luke 18 is not to annoy God with repeated prayers, but it's to be persistent and to not give up praying, to continue to trust in God. But here we go. Please don't misunderstand me here. I'm talking about motives behind prayer. I'm not talking about mechanics. Praying hard is awesome. Praying long and longer is awesome. Praying passionately with everything that you have is awesome. We need to do that more. We need to learn how to pray like that more. But Not if we think that by praying more, praying passionately, or praying harder or longer is going to make God answer our prayers faster, right? You know what that is? That's not prayer. You know what that is? That's manipulation, and God ain't that stupid, right? Just because we pray harder and longer and more fierce and whatever, God's going to answer it faster. That's so not, that's, God ain't stupid, Right? I mean, do we really think that by using these better prayer mechanics that we can coerce the heart of God to act faster, to serve us? That's not only ridiculous, that's bad theology. Why? Because verse 8 says that God already knows what we need even before we ask, even before we ready ourselves to pray fiercely. God already knows. So we don't have to do that. What that means is that we don't have to do engage in any of these prayer acrobatics or misbeliefs and, and, and wrong motives behind prayer. We don't ever have to pray with the motive to try and coerce God to give us the result that we want. Did you ever do that? We do that all the time. Koreans do that all the time. I did that so much in my life. Oh, if I just pray that way. God will make it faster. He'll answer faster, right? You know, he's telling us up front here that he already knows what we need. So if that's the case, then in essence, we almost don't need to say anything at all, do we? Or we can say a lot. It makes no difference because he knows. What's the most important thing about prayer then? And this is what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. The only thing that truly matters in prayer is what? Our hearts. That's all that matters. And by hearts, this is what I mean. What our attitude and motive is, where our trust is, and who the goal is in prayer, right? If our hearts are to pray for God alone, just you and God, and if it's to trust in God alone and not in our efforts, and if it's for his glory alone, then what kind of prayer pleases God according to Christ? It's a prayer that's simple, and sincere. Okay, we can just be simple in our prayers and sincere, you know. If you're hearing this message and you feel like, oh man, this is hard for me to do, this is going to be hard for me to do, then you're probably like me because what that means is there's a lot of like man-drivenness that we need to purge out of our prayers and our hearts. But for some people, when, they're, when they hear this and when they start praying like this, it's absolutely liberating, right? And the reason why it's extremely liberating is because if you really understand what we're talking about here and what Jesus is saying here, it takes all the pressure off to try to pray in any certain way. I don't have to pray like that guy that was so awesome last week at church. 
I don't have to pray like that. I don't have to pray in this certain way or with these certain phrases whatsoever. I can actually be absolutely free to just be myself and to express myself in my own way to God. And to me, that's absolutely liberating. It's absolutely wonderful. Because then we all we have to do is be simple and sincere. And that's what God wants. God just wants you. And he wants you to be genuinely you. And if you're not that good with words, that's fine. If you're awesome with words, that's fine. He just wants you. I read this story about this father who was walking by his son's room, this young son. And the son's like praying on his bed, kneeling on his bed. And he's, you know, he's like heart. He's like distraught. <laughs> he, he overheard his son's prayer. And his son, all he said was this. He said, ah, Tokyo. 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 Tokyo, okay? And so his father's like, oh, he must want to go to Tokyo for on, on holiday, you know? So he wakes up the next morning, and the father asks his son, son, I'm so sorry, but I overheard your prayer last night. What exactly were you praying about? And he's like, dad, you know, we took a test yesterday, and there was a question on the test, and it asked us, what's the capital of Mexico? And I know it's Mexico City, but I wrote Tokyo. So I was asking that God would change it. But do you see how this prayer is like one of the most awesome prayers? I mean, somehow, someway, this boy knew that you don't have to bog down God down with all these details. You know, there's nothing that we're going to share with him. There's no detail about whatever's happening within our life that he doesn't already know or he hasn't orchestrated in our lives already. It's not like we're going to give him some inside information that we're only privy to. So he bypasses all the details. He bypasses all that stuff and just gets to the heart of the matter and he expresses it honestly and simply before God. Do you guys get that? He could have prayed something like this, though. He could have said this. He could have said, Dear Father, this is James Allen Jackson from 48 Main Street, Greenacre, New South Wales. I'm in year five at New Sydney Elementary School and I am in Mr. Smith's class. This afternoon we had a geography test with 50 questions that were also multiple choice and fill in the blank. And as I took the test, I had trouble, trouble with one of these questions. I put a wrong answer for the capital of Mexico. I know now that it's Mexico City, but I was hoping that you could change it to Tokyo since that was the answer that I wrote. I would greatly appreciate it. Amen. Does that prayer sound better? A lot more details, doesn't it? It sounds pretty good. Both prayers are valid, but it's unnecessary. It's not necessary to have all of those details. The Almighty God knows us better than we know ourselves. So we're not going to tell him everything, anything new or give him some insider information that he doesn't already know. So here's the question. Why put on the show for God? You know, why do we feel like we have to even if it's just us and God, why do we sometimes feel like we have to put on a show for him and say all those things and be a certain way? What Jesus is saying to us is we don't have to. We just have to be simple. We just have to be sincere. We just have to be ourselves. Do you guys get that? Do you guys understand? Isn't that liberating? If God truly wants, if what God truly wants from us is a heart exchange, then what God really wants from us is us. That's it. Okay? 
not the person who thinks that prayer should be a certain way or is trying to pray like someone else prayed. He doesn't want us trying to be like someone that we're not. That's putting on a show for God. And as sad as, sad as that sounds, if I know the church, a lot of us might be like that. Let's just stop that, okay? A very wise deacon who has the gift of prayer once said, once gave me the best advice in prayer, and it was very simple. This is what she said. She said, Eddie, when you pray, just make sure that every word that you say you mean with all your heart. Even in the course of an hour, if you only say three sincere words, that's eternally better than praying a thousand words that you don't really mean. Be yourself. Just pray to God. You guys get that? And so from that day forward, I feel like my prayer life, it, I don't know if it got better, but it was definitely much more sincere. And it was definitely much more honest. And knowing that he already knows everything that I want to pray about, it takes all the pressure off to try to sound good or to be good or to pray right. All he cares about is the heart exchange. And so we just have to think about God alone. So pray secretly, not for others or even yourself, but for God alone. Pray simply, sincerely from your heart. Pray for God alone. You know, Jesus Christ, he knew church people. He knew what they would do with prayer. Prayer was designed and created to draw us closer to God. But he knew that we'd use it to perform for others and even try and manipulate God as well. That's how evil we are, which convinces me that we as believers, maybe more than anyone else, need the gospel of Jesus Christ to pray properly Every single day, right? We need to be reminded of our own devices. That if it was up to us, we would pray in the evil way to perform in front of others, to show off even in front of God, and to try to do prayers in this way because we just think that the, the, the mechanics is what impresses God. But he says, no, it's the heart. It's the motive, right? And so therefore, we need the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and be reminded of who God is so that we could be humbled and broken in his presence and realize how amazingly wonderful, now not amazingly holy he is, but how much he truly does love us. And in that context, we can give our prayers completely and sincerely and secretly for God alone. I know today's message uh, might be a bit confronting for some of us. Uh, if you have any questions, please come and ask me. I would love to talk to you about any of these things. Um, but I hope that by me preaching this message, it was truly liberating. You know, I believe that's what Jesus wants for us to enjoy in prayer. And this is the way I think about it. I mean, if Christ died so that we could have a relationship with God, and God gave us prayer so that we could enjoy him alone, why would I want to do anything else with that prayer except just enjoy him alone? No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, let's do that. I love that God loves I know I love that God knows me and that I don't have to try and pretend to be anyone else, especially the people who pray really, really well, who I'm always envious of. And because he knows what's already on my heart, I don't have to be perfect in what I say or how I express myself. I can just be myself. All God wants from us is our hearts. He wants a true heart exchange with us every single time we pray in public or in private. So let's make sure that we give that to him. Pray for God alone. Let's pray. You know, God loves you. And he sent his son to die for your sins and to give you his righteousness. 
If there's anyone here who has never put their faith in Christ, I want you to do that today. Just talk to him honestly from your heart. Surrender your life. And beginning today, let's live for Jesus. If you are a believer, you know, we have a lot to work on, don't we? But thank God for Jesus. He not only forgives us, but he knows us. So not only are we forgiven, but we are liberated to be ourselves and to give ourselves completely to God. Let's invite his righteousness to empower and focus our prayers on God alone so they can be secret, simple, and sincere. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. God, that he's our hope. Even after we became a Christian, we, we look at ourselves and it's like, you know, we just see that we use something like prayer, which is meant for you alone. We do it to perform in front of others. Forgive us for that. Cover us, God, with your blood once again. And help us, God, through your righteousness to pray for you alone. And God, to live this life for you alone. We need your help to pray better. We need your help to be careful. So God, help us to do that. And Father, draw every person in our church closer to you as a result. Make our prayers more sincere and maybe more intimate so that, Father, we would know you more, we would hear your voice better, God, so that we could give you ourselves even more so that you might be glorified through us. God, we thank you so much for prayer and that gift teach us how to pray for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.